Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. July has started off with a bang, and I'm not talking about fireworks. All right, let's get started. This week, our three things are... One, the rally in rates. It seems to have caught just about everyone off guard. We'll explore what it means for credit markets. Two, the pandemic has not gone away. The most lethal side of it has been contained for now, but it is still likely to act as a drag on the global economy. Three, where did all the defaults go? We'll take stock of this extraordinary environment. All right, let's get started. So the yield on the 10-year dipped below 1.3% this week, down from 1.74% at the end of March. And at that time, when consensus was calling for a further run to 2 or even 2.5%, market angst was centered on prospects for 1970s-style inflation and just how quickly the Fed might step in to end the party. How could this happen? Haven't you seen the price of lumber? Well, we have, and we have stuck all spring with our and the Fed's. This is all transitory story. Suddenly, everything has changed. To paraphrase one market observer, it feels like we have moved from inflation being transitory to fearing that growth might be transitory. Hmm, that's something very different. So how should we think about this move? Some offer up, well, it's because the Fed is buying up all the Treasury supply. Well, true, but they were buying up everything in Q1 as well. Short covering is another common response. Okay, there probably is some truth to it, given that the loud chorus of the Fed has turned hawkish after the most recent FOMC minutes and daily clarifications from Fed officials that are now part of protocol. But there is something fundamental going on here as well, in our opinion. The economy is starting to turn, and investors are taking notice. And as we have said several times on this podcast, we are currently at peak growth and peak inflation, in our opinion. Now, from a fundamental standpoint, you should be seeing two things on your investing horizon. One, do not expect the recovery to be linear, something the White House has warned. Just look at the ISM or Consumer Confidence Survey data. There's a lot of friction out there economically and plenty of longer-term concern. And two, the post-stimulus slowdown, something we have dubbed the Great Deceleration, is coming. That's real GDP in the U.S. falling from 10% in the current quarter to 2.3% in Q4 2022. That's according to Bloomberg consensus forecasts, as the positive effect of stimulus fades away. And evidence of both weighing on market sentiment is evident. Now take commodity prices. They've always bounced around, and you don't need to have a vivid imagination to understand that the post-vaccine reopening was going to create all sorts of bottlenecks across the economy be it in commodities or labor markets, as businesses try to meet the demand surge. And to go from lockdown to stimulus-fueled growth, running at four times the Fed's long-term growth forecast, was going to cause issues. But the vast majority of those kind of issues, we believe, will naturally work their way out in a quarter or two, especially on the commodities side of things. So inflation risks to us were overblown and not just because of the nature of reopening and the pressures the demand surge would create. We have never lost sight of deflationary forces, 
the headwinds that the global economy has had to push through over the past decade or so. That's technology, automation, and globalization constantly pushing prices down. And the pandemic has only amplified and accelerated those trends. We believe investors are coming to understand how difficult it is to actually get to 2% inflation. All of this is not to say that we believe credit will struggle here. Although if you didn't like credit a month ago, you're not going to like it here unless you think rates have further room to run. The question remains, where are you going to go? Your worst case here is that growth tails off while the Fed remains hawkish. And that combination strikes us as unlikely. Therefore, we expect credit to continue to hold up through the balance of the year on the strength of very low defaults. After all, the great deceleration will not happen in one fell swoop. All right, on to our second thing, the pandemic. We have repeatedly warned that this is not in the rearview mirror, that herd immunity was not likely to happen anytime soon. The pandemic is not going away. We have seen the Delta variant rapidly spread around the world and more is coming. Have you Googled Lambda? And it is not just a point of worry in the emerging markets. The UK, where two-thirds have been fully vaccinated, is seeing case counts at five-month highs. Australia has locked down. Israel has reimposed a mask mandate. Japan has declared a state of emergency as it prepares to stage a fan-free Olympics. India, Brazil, Thailand, Peru, all bad. Globally, 90% of the population is not vaccinated. Herd immunity eradicating COVID-19? It's not going to happen. The good news is the lethality has been reduced. The pressure on hospital systems has been reduced. But economically, COVID not going away is going to be a drag on the global economy. The World Bank is estimating that global GDP in 2021 and 2022 is expected to be 3.2% and 1.8% respectively below pre-pandemic projections. And per capita GDP among developing countries is expected to remain below pre-pandemic peaks for what it calls an extended period. In the U.S., a record 89% of Americans believe the pandemic is getting better, according to a Gallup poll. But some 30% remain hesitant or adamantly against getting vaccinated, according to Kaiser Family Foundation, which is right on the line that scientists believe herd immunity can take place. Like many things in this country, this is likely to be a different story depending on which region we are talking about. For example, 30 states are less than 50% vaccinated. Complacency has clearly set in, and with summer here, that's not likely to change. The real test again will be the fall, when temperatures drive people back indoors and when schools open as normal. We would not assume the fall will be normal across the country. Economically, look for this to continue to hit travel, tourism, and hospitality sectors. For what it's worth, airline and hotel stocks are off 19% and 11% respectively from their April highs. All right, on to our third thing. Where did all the defaults go? Not that you needed a reminder, but the federal government has substantially taken corporate bankruptcy off the table in the most severe economic downturn since World War II. We know you don't have to be reminded of this because you, or someone, are buying C corporate credits with five-handle yields. You know the long-term average is 12%, but 
but you don't care. You know that, at least for now, defaults are few and far between because there's a wall of cash out there looking for yield that is propping up firms that are fundamentally struggling. And we've talked about this often on the podcast, warning that these zombie firms represent a significant drag on the overall economy as they undercut pricing by healthy firms causing, in turn, reduced investment on the part of those healthy firms. We came across a report this week that confirmed what we knew we were not imagining. Indeed, commercial bankruptcies in the first half of the year came in at the lowest level in at least 16 years, according to bankruptcy advisor Epic AACER. Similarly, the Bloomberg Corporate Bankruptcy Index, which measures both the occurrence and severity of bankruptcy activity for firms with at least $50 million in liabilities, is running at or near its 20-year lows. To give you a sense as to the effect this wall of cash is having on spreads, the number of distressed bonds, that is bonds with spreads greater than 1,000 basis points, trading, tracked by trace, has fallen to near historic lows, around one-tenth of what was trading at the height of the pandemic in March a year ago. There are a plethora of pieces out recently bemoaning the outlook for credit in the second half, about how risk and reward are out of alignment, especially in public securities in developed markets. In other words, this has to end badly. But when? And what will be the catalyst? Now, our list of catalysts is not short, ranging from increased event risk to geopolitical flare-ups to the pandemic worsening. But we would not assign a high probability to any one of these triggering a material repricing of credit over the near term. And with issuance likely to moderate from first half's quite active pace, especially in high yield, technical pressure should subside somewhat. And taking all of that into consideration, we come back to a theme that has been with us throughout the pandemic, TINA as in, there is no alternative, or rather, no compelling ones. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, the rally in rates. The reflation trade has gotten crushed, and investors should keep an eye on an economy that is now poised to decelerate. Two, the economic risks of the pandemic have not gone away. This is likely to be a drag on growth for a while. And three, corporate defaults have fallen to very low levels and are likely to stay there as long as the wall of cash continues to believe central bank-fueled growth will keep capitalism's creative destruction at bay. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest rating reports and research. See you next week.